0: Hello and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform. And it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today.
1: The Lord gave us the opportunity last Sunday to... Um, Begin to lay a foundation for 2023 concerning the word hope, and uh, I was encouraged uh, by what the Lord taught me from His Word, and uh, I hope that you are as well. And uh, that's all we got. That's literally all we have. Is is hope. Um, I was a youth pastor uh, in Southern Arizona from 2000 to 2004. Um, just north of Marana and south of here is a little area, it's really exploded since I've moved away, called Red Rock. If you go out into that Red Rock area, brand new subdivisions, there's markets out there now, but way past that out toward the desert, there's um, some ruins of some kind of um, huts and houses that were built many, many, many years ago. And um, they're starting to break down. I don't know what they look like now. That's good night. That was 2002, 2003 since I was over there. And uh, as, a, as a young guy, you like to go out on adventures. So we got a bunch of the boys together one uh, afternoon and went over to the, these, these ruins. And we began to play uh, an aggressive match of, of hide-and-go-seek or chase or whatever you want to call it. And what was interesting about these buildings is they were not very tall. So we were climbing on top. Of the roofs and jumping from roof to roof or room to room, I guess you would say, depending on the width. And, and man, we were in a high-speed chase, and I had one of my teenagers, Steven Pena, uh, just right on me. I'd climbed up this wall, and now I'm jumping from roof to roof, just, just you know, you, you're, you're just playing the game, you're having a good time, and it's super exciting, and you're not really paying attention. You're kind of looking back, and you're just hoping that when you jump from ceiling to ceiling, everything's going to be okay, okay? So as I'm running, this is a true story, I jumped across what was probably a hallway to what I thought um, was a perfectly good ceiling, but I just didn't get a good view of it. And as I was in the air, I looked down and realized there's no ceiling. And I remember it's one of those moments where you're like, ah, you know what I'm talking about? You're in the middle of it. And I remember landing flat on my face and the air being totally, you landed, you know, boom, the air in the stomach, uh, that whole feeling and uh, trying to catch the air. And now, instead of having teenage boys surrounding me, like, Pastor Ray, are you okay? They're standing above going, ha, ha, and they're laughing at me. I'm like, no, this not funny. I'm not doing, you know, I thought I was dead and thought everything inside of me exploded. And uh, that that moment of, of launching, hoping to land on something wasn't there. Several years ago, I was riding with Pastor John Vaught. You guys are familiar with him. He's the one we blame for getting me into mountain biking. And he calls me up one day and he says, hey, do you want to meet me over here at Uh, South Mountain in Phoenix, and let's ride. And uh, so I met him over there, and uh, he shows up all professional, man. I can promise you, um, I love mountain biking, but I will never wear spandex. Just for the record, you'll never have to worry about me biking in tight, everybody, God's people said amen. And uh, so, but he shows up in his professional biking gear, and with his professional uh, tuned um, multi, not multi, that sounds really big, but you know, several thousand dollar mountain bike and dual suspension and I show up with my found on Craigslist bike and, uh, and it's, it's pretty decent, but uh, uh, it's nothing like that with my black shorts and t-shirt on and I'm just ready to ride. And he says, all right, let's go, follow me. And so we started these long trails around South Mountain and sure enough, we're, we're getting it. We're getting some good speed and I'd gotten pretty decent on the bike when all of a sudden I saw him go down into what I thought was a wash. And I've done that before. I've driven down into, into washes before and so it wasn't a big deal. But what I didn't recognize is right before we got to the wash, the path split. There was a left path which he took and there was a right path. And so I followed him. And I saw him go off, and he's a little bit in front of me. When I get there, I realize the path he took is for the adventure seeker. It is for the professional. It is for the guy that's been riding mountain bikes for years, and off I went from a cliff. Okay, we're talking about a drop-off, and he, of course, knew what he was doing. He knew the trail. He jerked up and did this land. I went off in a nosedive, and all I was was praying, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. And I I still remember locking my feet onto the pedals and holding the bar as tight as I could, hoping that I was not about to die, okay? But I remembered a thought, literally all these things run through your mind. Let the bike do what the bike was built to do. And I've learned that in mountain biking. Let the bike do what the bike was built to do. Don't panic, it's built to do that. And I came off and hit that landing and rode it through. And I got to the other side and I yelled, Pastor Vod, Vod, wait a minute. And I'm shaking. Do not do that again be sure you warn me that you're taking the pro path and there's another path that I need to be taking. Point me to the safe path. And uh, it's, it's by the grace of God and what this bike was meant for um, that, I, that I made this jump. I remember two years ago, two and a half years ago, standing over here in the desert, watching an airplane toss my wife out its door. I worked hard to go and I was literally six pounds shy of being able to jump, I don't really think I was disappointed. <laughs> there was a part of me that's like, "Oh man," and there's part of me that's like, oh. "You know what I'm saying?" And I remember standing out there as a plane was flying, and the guy that took me to the to the landing point said, "Okay, that they should be getting ready to jump," and I was watching for the speck to come out of the plane, and my heart racing, right? And uh, the all of a sudden you could see people coming out. You couldn't really see that at first, but then you begin to pick out the speck. And and what I waited for was something else after the speck. I, I I wanted just to see that shoot open. I I everything inside of me is screaming, please, please open shoot. You know because I don't know if I could catch her. You know what I mean? That's I'm like, I would try. I would try to break that fall, but I just don't know how that would all work out. And sure enough, the the, the peace and the relaxation when boom, that big spread came open and the air uh, lifted that canopy uh, off the ground. When we talk about the word hope, there are some things that we need to recognize that I believe God would have us to recognize about hope. And two things specifically as we start this morning and lay a foundation for what God is, God is wanting us to do. Number one this morning, hope, it, it's necessary that it, that it has something that, that it's tethered to. Hope by itself doesn't work. Hope by itself will never work. It has to have something that it is tethered to. It's got to be attached to something. Well, I I hope when I jump, there's a roof there. well, Well, that hope really means nothing if there's not another ceiling by which to land. I hope the bike will do what it's supposed to do. Well, well hopefully it's built and it's created to take that weight and that kind of shock absorption when it lands. I I hope when I jump out of this airplane, that there's going to be a canopy that opens and the air is going to fill that and, and it's going to suspend me between the heavens and the earth, right? And and that is that is the idea of hope. Hope must be, it has to be attached to something. It is built on something. There is a foundation to it. it, it it's it, it's got to have that security or the it's really nothing but a false hope, an empty hope, something that is fake and, and not real. And so um, that, that's important to recognize. When, when you and I say, I hope, what is it attached to? What is that hope attached to? Well, well, well I hope I'm saved. Well, I, I, I get that, but what is your hope attached to? What is your hope Built on, what is the thing that it's tethered to? As a kid, I was running through the woods. We had this vine swinging across a a, a creek, and I still to this day will never forget with my brand new white Reebok tennis shoes, grabbing that vine with my buddies and tugging, on it to hope that it was, it was secure and safe, and then swinging across that creek only for it to snap midway through. And I landed in that creek with my brand new school shoes on. And you know, when I got home, what followed that conversation and that re- revelation of dirty, muddy shoes. What I was tethered to, um, obviously what I was attached to was not strong enough. So, so hope really has this, this need To be attached to something. Secondly, hope also requires action. It it has to. And this is really important for us to see this morning. Hope has to be attached to something. It has to be built or tethered to something that, that is secure. But secondly, hope requires action. Well, I hope this parachute holds me. Well, then jump. No, 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 I don't, I don't think I wanna jump. Well, how can you test the hope and see what it's attached to if there's no action to the jump? And, and there's a lot of us that love security, amen we love sitting back in the comfortability and not taking the step uh and, and hoping that that God can do what we know he is capable of doing um, in, in any area of our life and and that is that there seems to be some um kind of a comforting feeling just to wait it out and, and not step out by faith and rest in the hope that is attached to something. And, and humanly speaking, that keeps us comfortable. And, and, and all of us live here. Ray McCormick lives here. Well, I, I, I sure hope, but then I don't make a move. So do I really believe Am I really confident in in what it 's tethered to and, and and those are two things that are important to see about hope um, so so here 's the question: What support structure does your hope have? Do not spank that child she 's okay just kidding i 'm just kidding i 've i 've been waiting for the moment she leaves crying, so I could be sure we lay that foundation. She needs no discipline. She's fine. Give her candy. Bring her back in. So, no. What is is your hope, church? Think about it. What is your hope tethered to? What is your faith built on? Um, Matter of fact, here's the second question I want to ask. Number two. What is that substructure underneath your hope? What is the anchor point of your hope? What is is the air in the canopy that's holding it up and together? What is the foundation of your hope? Open your Bibles, if you would, to a very familiar passage and do not check out, I don't care how long you've known God. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. I made a call to, I would say, 10 to 15 different pastors this week for counseling and reached out to several of them concerning um, some, a, 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 a potential decision, a choice that needed to be made. And um, one of them, Pastor Doug Weber from North Carolina, uh, his church actually was the first church to come here and... Um, and help us with our first VBS back in 2015 and uh, had a conversation with Doug. And in that conversation, Doug gave me some encouragement and help that I needed to hear from a passage that I was super familiar with. And literally, this is what I did. Hey, he said, have you looked at Hebrews 11 in a while? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. We're always in Hebrews 11, right? He said, but, but I want you to see something, and I want to encourage you with something. And he shared these thoughts with me, and I've taken the time over the weekend to build upon what was shared to my heart concerning what my hope is tethered to. What is the foundation for my hope? So look at Hebrews chapter number 11, and would you read that first line with me? Ready? and you'll get it uh, uh, as you read it. Verse one, here we go. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Did you hear that? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Of course, we know the rest of the verse. We're very familiar with the passage, the evidence of things not seen. I'd always tied this passage to the idea of faith, but I'd never tied this passage to the idea of my hope. And, and what the text is saying is hope is tethered to, hope is built upon, it's founded Upon the substance, the word substance actually in the Greek, it's not just something. The word substance is literally defined as the support or the setting under, the substructure, the assurance, the confidence. So, So watch what the text is saying. Faith is the substructure. It's the confidence. It's the foundation of things, what? Hoped for. Hope for. So, so, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, so if I'm going to have a, a real hope in something, it has to be tethered or built or founded upon something, a structure that will sustain that hope, that will hold that together, and that structure is faith. Now, what I wanna do now is say, okay, answer the question here, what kind of faith do we have? And that's really important. I'm jumping from roof to roof, hoping that there's another roof, another ceiling, that it's going to be there. And I, and I launch to find that it's not. I'm, I'm coming off cliffs on bicycles and wondering if, if what the material, the equipment that I have underneath me is going to sustain that landing. And I'm wondering is, if my wife jumps out of that plane, is that chute going to open? Is the air going to sustain her? Okay, so, so, so the question's tied here. If the substance of my hoping is faith, then the next question has to be, how 's my faith? What, what am I resting in? What am I depending in? How am I uh, building these things? and so let 's look at the Bible at Hebrews chapter number eleven. Again, I want us to see several things here that I think will be an encouragement to us. Number one, number one, faith must be intentional. Faith. Must be intentional. And as I did a little deeper study in these words and began to tie the first two verses in verse six into all the stories, I, I cannot help but throughout every single story in Hebrews chapter number 11, see an, in, uh, an intentional faith. Notice what he says in the passage. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Last week, the word for hope is the Greek word elpis. If you don't mind, uh, let me just kind of break this down for a minute. The, the word is spelled E L P I S. Um, it is the word which means confidence in okay? The word here in this passage, you have to tie it with the word for, this action verb. hoped for is LPs, E-L-P-I-Z. And you say, why is that a big deal? Because in its original um, language, we would have to understand what God was actually saying in each setting by understanding the word itself when it was said, okay? And so the, the word Elpis means, you know what? I have confidence. The word LPs means E-L-P-I-Z. I have confidence for something, in something particular. It's not just this random confidence. My confidence is in something particular. So faith is the substance of things hoped. The next word is what? For. What are we hoping for? What is our faith in individually within this hope, this intentional faith that we need to have intentional for what? So honestly, I want us to think about that for just a moment. If if I were to ask you, hey, what is your faith in? Most of us would say, my faith is in, my faith is in God. Okay, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? When you say your faith is in God, what does that mean? All of God, some of God, the idea of a God, the big picture God, the little picture God, are you understanding? We've never—I don't think many of us have ever come to that point. Uh, for instance, uh, teenagers that are that are in the room—all all my teenagers, seventh grade and above, twelve years old and up, maybe. Um, how many of you believe there's a God? You you believe in God? Would you hold your hand up? You have faith in God. That is awesome. Okay. Uh, there's some of you that are wanting to be teenagers, and that is great. Okay. So so you believe in God. All right, so Xavier, can I, can, I, can I single you out for a minute? you give me permission? So, so Xavier says, I believe in God. Like what part of God do you believe in that, that you actually have um, intentional faith in? Just that he's alive and he's real? D- do you believe that? Okay, so, so you have faith in the big idea of God. All right, so let me, let me ask mom, can I, can I talk to mom about you for a minute? Is that okay? Hey, so Casey, Do you think that Xavier believes in God, in the big idea of God? Do you think he believes in the little ideas of God? Are you sure? Does he obey you when you tell him what to do? Oh man, I didn't mean to reveal that. I'm so sorry. Xavier, do you believe in the big, big picture of God? So if God is real and he's alive and he's on the throne, then every command... That he's given, it's just as alive, just as real, and just as powerful. Did you know that he said that if you put your faith in me, you'll obey your parents? But you're not. not by the way, by the way, um, um, all of them would fall into this category unless you start judging Xavier. All of us fall into that category. Oh, I believe in the, the, the big picture of God, but I don't trust God here. I mean, I'm all about this amazing God who sits on the throne and I believe that he is and that he was and he is to come and I, I'm all right with all of that. But, but I, don't ask me to do that. Well, well, Wait a minute, do you or do you not believe in uh, God intentionally, because when when Moses decided uh, to follow the direction of God who spoke to him in the burning bush, he didn't pick and choose. Hebrews eleven says that he turned his back on Egypt, rejecting that because he considered God's reward watch better than Egypt's immediate reward. So so Xavier again, let me just say this because I don't want to make him feel bad, Xavier. All of your peers disobey their parents. I know, I have some. Okay, I, I got that. And guess who else did when he was a kid? That Ray McCormick did. So, but, but Xavier, what I'm saying is, is Moses believed in God by faith so much that he rejected the immediate reward of now because he knew there was a further reward in the future that was better than the immediate. Um, when it comes to children obeying their parents, what they, what they see is the moment. They don't see the future. They see, I want something now and I wanna be rewarded now. But what they need to say is I believe God is bigger and he's right and he's true. And so I'll say no to myself right now so that in the future, I can receive the promises of Ephesians chapter six. Make sense? Um, you know, I, I believe that God is big and he can take care of my finances. But, but, I, but I don't give anything to God. So, so do, do you really believe? I mean, I know you believe in the big picture of God, but you're trying to hold on to the moment to provide for the needs of the moment, not recognizing the big God that is on the other side and his promises that are true, that if you give cheerfully, he'll give back, pressed together, shaken, running over. Well, well, I mean, I believe in a big God, but you don't know what they did to me? And you don't know how hurt I am and how bitter I am inside uh, to, to what they've done. So what you're saying is you've got to rest in the moment and not look to the promise that God says, hey, you better forgive them because I've forgiven you. So, 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 so my whole point in this, in, at, at this moment is this church, it's so vital to see this. We all believe probably in this room in the big picture of God, but faith has to be intentional and what God is intentional about. And and so with that being said, think about it in in, in this light, if you would. What what does God pursue? So, so, So if God pursues that and I believe in God, then I should pursue that. Fair enough assumption? What does God promise? Well, if God promises that, by faith, I should build my life upon what God promises. He will never leave you. He He is appointed unto man once to die. You cannot mess up that appointment. It's already set in stone. It will not change. God. So, so so you have to rest in the plan that God has for our life. I I rest in the promise of God found upon the pages of Scripture and the purpose of God, and that is faith. So so my life is built upon built upon the purposes of God. What is God's purpose for your life? What has he designed and created you to do? How does he want to use you? Okay, God, you put this in me, so therefore I'm going to use that for your glory. You've given this to me to be used, and therefore I'm going to use this for your glory. What has God promised? Build your life upon the promises of God that are found in scripture. And then thirdly, build your life upon pursuing what God pursues. What makes God happy should drive us. I've shared this illustration. I'm trying to pound it into my kids' heads. When I, I'm, again, I know it took a little time, and I was in my 20s and 30s before it really, really mattered, but, man, when my dad comes over the house because I know my dad likes things sharp and in order and in the tool department and things of that nature. When he comes, I try to get my garage organized, my backyard looking really nice and make sure it's all cleaned up because mom, she likes going out there and sitting and reading and so I, I, I want them to be happy so it drives me to get that accomplished. And I do it out of a joy because I'm waiting for the smile and the compliment that's gonna come from that. And I'm trying to tell my kids, when you clean the kitchen, don't clean it to get through it clean it to see what kind of smile you can get off your mother's face now am i doing that for her short term but long term i'm trying to create a thinking in them so that when they serve god they don't do it to get through it they do it because god pursues it it makes him happy therefore i'm going to pursue that because it makes god happy so what does god pursue the Bible says he came to seek and to save those who were lost. So to be honest with you, one thing that we could focus on, this is faith. This is resting in God. My life is going to be built upon the gospel. He gave everything so that we could know what it is to have our sins forgiven. So my, my existence, everything we are as individuals should be built Upon the furtherance of the gospel. Why? Because what he pursues, I pursue. What he promises, I build my life on. What he purposes is what should be my purpose. That's individual. That is, excuse me, not individual, but that is um, uh, this intentional, purposeful faith. Powerful thought, isn't it? Convicting thought this week for me. God, I gotta be more intentional in my faith, not just big God random but more intentional. Walk through the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the intentional faith of these individuals. Secondly, check this out, this is cool. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What else is faith? Most of us know this, ready, say it with me. The evidence of things, what? The evidence of things what? Not you mean invisible? So 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 number two, faith must be um, in, invisible and intentional. So 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 notice what the Word of God says: uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A matter of fact, look at verse number three. This is the illustration of what He says in verse number one: the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He wants us to recognize, yes, you can see tangible things at the moment, but those tangible things have not always been. They were created by a God at a time when they were not seen. And here's what's also interesting. If you journey through Hebrews 11, you'll find every um, work of faith began with something not seen. So, 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 so notice the stories together with me, and here, here's just a couple, um, and, and you can do your own study. Noah, uh, verse seven, look at chapter 11. Noah, being warned of things, what? Yet not seen. What was Noah warned of? Rain, flood, water. That's all debatable whether there was actual rain or not, but what we do know is this. God sent something, whether rain or the rocks bursting forth water from the earth that brought a flood that had never been seen before. So Noah, I need you to build a boat. I'm gonna bring destruction upon the earth. You have found grace in my eyes. Your family built a structure that's never been seen before to float on something that's never been seen before ever. Moses said, yes, Lord. Okay, watch the next story. Verse number 13. Abraham and his family, the Bible says, all died in faith. What's that next phrase? Verse number uh, number 13, not having seen. I'm going to give you a land. i want to send you to a land. I want you to go to a place that I'm not going to show you. Matter of fact, your children and your children's children are not going to really see it and explore it and understand it, but I need you to go in obedience based upon something that you've never seen, and I need you to rest that I'm going to give you a child, and your wife is going to be 90, and I know we've never seen people at 90 bearing children, but it's going to happen. Put your faith in me. And We've already walked the whole story of Abraham, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, But again, he's building his whole life's existence on intentional faith in something that was invisible. The Bible says this, verse 27. By faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, ready, as seeing him who is invisible. (laughs) Moses' complete life change was built upon a God whose work to this moment would seem somewhat invisible to a God other than the burning bush and and a bush that, and that's pretty amazing, um, but a voice speaking out, but but a God not seen in human form, a God invisible. I know you don't see the safety. I know you don't see the God. I know you don't see the moment, but, but isn't that faith? That's faith in these stories over and over and over again. Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39, and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. They never saw it. It was invisible. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Some of these people listed here eventually saw the promise of God, but every one of them, Joshua is mentioned his name, but he said the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he circled the walls. We all know that to be who? Joshua, at where? Jericho, here's a plan, just walk the walls. Well, God, we've never had that kind of plan before. That plan doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, walk the walls, circle them, do it this way and watch me do the invisible. Because I gotta be honest with you, it's not faith if I can calculate it. It's not faith if I can see it. It Really, it's not. I'm, I'm depending upon the calculation. I'm depending upon the equipment. I'm depending upon those things that I can see and know that they've accomplished a task before. And so faith really in its essence is intentional. Secondly, it's, in, it's invisible. The the, the Bible gives us so many beautiful thoughts. Mary and Martha standing at the tomb of Lazarus who was dead. And what does Jesus tell them? If thou wouldest see, then you can believe. Did you catch that? Is is that what Jesus said? If thou see, then you can believe. No, it's not what he said. He said, if thou believe, then believe. Thou should see something that is absolutely mind-blowing. Being raised from the dead. It it, it doesn't, faith doesn't call us to the point of stupidity in our minds or in God's mind. Faith does not call us to, to laziness and say, God, you said you could do it, I believe it, I'm just gonna sit back and wait. No, remember, faith has to be tethered to something or hope has to be tethered to something and hope requires action. So so, so we're not saying believe God and sit back and be lazy. No, we're saying this is the mind of God, this is the heart of God, the purpose of God, the promises of God, this is who God is and I can be intentional in walking in that and I recognize that what we're seeking for is invisible. But God in his intentionality can bring it to pass. He is able, church, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Number three, faith must be individual. Have you guys ever noticed something that I've never noticed? I've never noticed, never even thought about it, that Hebrews chapter 11 never speaks concerning a group. There's, there's no story in Hebrews chapter 11 that speaks of a group. Now, were all the peoples of Hebrews 11, all the peoples, people of Hebrews 11 in a group? Yes. Impact a group? Yes. But it it was never the group. The Bible says in the next verse, verse 2, for by it, the elders, by what? Faith. The elders obtained what? A good report. The individuals in the story, the ones that we're going to look at in Hebrews 11, we're not going to look at it today, but in the passage to follow, um, um, the elders, the individuals, obtained a good report because of their what? What? their faith. It's all stories of individuals. You say, well, 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 wait a minute, Joshua had the armies. No, no, no. God didn't tell the army to move. God told Joshua to move. It it, it was individual. And so we, we see that God works individually, and then it affects corporately because faith is individual. Faith affects your home corporately, moms and dads, You put your faith in the promises, the purposes, the plan of God, and walk in that. That faith affects individually you corporately. Faith affects our church individually, but that individual faith affects us corporately. Faith affects your workplace. You walk into your workplace and doubt of who big God is and what he can do in your life. It impacts those who watch your life. So our individual faith affects us corporally, but it's always individual. God chooses individuals to live by faith. And we see this in this passage. Notice what the word of God says. By it, by faith, the elders, the individuals obtained a good report. Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them, the individuals that diligently seek him. That there are honestly only two types of people in every body of believers. There are people who live by faith, and then there are people that live by sight. And I recognize there are more breakdowns, but on the faith realm, there are people that live by faith and that people that live by sight. And this is not a bragging moment, so please do not say this. But I, even Paul, uh, the Lord used him to reference something private uh, to affect something public. Me and my my wife monthly do not sit down and ask God, "Do we have money to give to you?" We sit down and give money to Him first, and then we figure out what belongs to Him afterwards. Uh, Me and my wife don't get up on Sunday mornings and say, hey, are we doing church today? We don't do that. You say, yeah, but you're the pastor. We didn't do it before we became the pastor. Well, your parents went to church. No, in that span of time of our lives where we were free to make our own choices, we actually did, let me back up, at one time say, are we going to go to church? But the Holy Spirit convicted us and we're children of the King and we went to church when we had no authority but God. Why? Because God says, I need you. I need the brethren. I need not to forsake that assembly. And I need the preaching and teaching of the word of God. And I'm not talking about, so don't come up to me after church today, day, but pastor, we can't go on vacation. You know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being faithful to the house of God, when you're supposed to be there, how you can, it, it was never a debate because I don't build my decisions upon, um, personal circumstances surrounding that. I I build my choices upon what God pursues, what God, and if God died for the church and gave his life for it, shouldn't I be passionate and pursuing what he pursues? So again, I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm just illustrating, and I'm I'm trying to now justify my illustration uh, biblically, but the, the truth of the matter is I do I do that in every area of my life? Um, probably not until, and I'm being honest, the Holy Spirit convicts me of it and shows it to me. Then I do my best uh, in, my, in, in my human power to follow by faith what he says. And should that not be the life of every believer? It's an individual decision. I don't want my kids going to church because I force them. There is a time now where they're in my house and I'm the leader of the home and I'm gonna guide them in that, but I want them to grow up and someday wanna be here and, want, and not come because they have people that are kind to them, but they come because God said to be here. I love that meme that's on uh, Facebook right now about church. If you quit going to church because somebody hurt you, then you don't know the God of the church, right? And you were going for the wrong reason in the first place. Because that's what drives us. And this is what um, the the chapter of Hebrews 11 says. God is greater. He's better. He's what we should be focused on. And these people lived with him in sight. An upward hope that was intentional, that was invisible, and that is individual. You say, well, what does an individual faith do for me? Really quickly, I want to show you this. Number one, notice what the Bible says. We're going to just completely look at Scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So let's flip that. With faith, we please him. Okay? So so the Bible is super clear that faith pleases God. We cannot please God if we don't take steps of faith. Individually. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't see it, but your word says it. You're passionate about it. This is what pleases you. This is what you're shooting for. Okay, that's what pleases God, is a life of faith. Stepping out and saying yes to God. I know you're big enough and awesome enough and good enough. Faith pleases God. Do you desire for him to be pleased? Then live a life of faith, right? Right? I don't know if he can be trusted. That statement alone is very concerning. He's big. He knows, and he's individual, and he's working in our lives. Secondly, faith proves. It shows that we believe that he is. Okay, notice this statement. Go back to the verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for... He that cometh to God must what? Believe that he, he is. Okay, this brings us back to where we started. He is what? Yes, he is, he is what? He's there, he's, he's real, he's faithful, he's powerful, He's, he can do miracles beyond what we can imagine. We can go on and on and on on what God is. God has a plan. That plan cannot be thwarted. He's sovereign. He's ama- he knows. He takes the good and, and the bad, and he makes it all for his glory. He's perfect. He's righteous. He is. He is. And so when I live a life of faith and I live to please him, what I'm saying is He is, he is God. And I'm gonna prove it by giving him my life. Hey, how about for our older teenagers in the room and young adults, do you believe in God today? If you're of the age of 16 to 25, do you like the way I made that young? Put your hand down, Jason. All right, uh, 16 to 25, hold your hand up, all of our 16 to 25s, all right? Do you believe in God, yes or no? Yes, do you believe he, he is capable of taking care of your life in a perfect, wonderful way like he took care of the universe? Mm, I don't know because, I mean, I trust him with the universe, but I don't really know if he can, if he can take care of what I've got going on really? He's God. He, he's so big. Then, then you really, you're, you're struggling in your faith because either he did put the universe together and made it out of nothing and it's running perfectly according to his plan or he didn't. So if he did, he can take your plan and your design if you'll give it to him and work it beautifully. Well, that's not what my friend that's 13 years old at school said. Right? I know that's not what they said. But our beliefs are different. We either live by faith or we live by sight. Okay? Watch what he says. Thirdly, faith pleases, faith proves, faith is uh, pursued. Notice what the text says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. So, okay, can we go full circle? Because I love tying the sermons all together. Can we go back to the point on um, God is, is uh, intentional? What is he intentional with? Um, we, we recognize that he was intentional with what he pursues and deems important, what he promises and what he purposes in his word. So if I am going to live individually a life of faith, I will diligently pursue what he thinks. And I will diligently pursue and follow the way he goes. So, so faith pursues, faith is always looking, faith, oh Lord, grow my faith. <laughs> The only way you can grow your faith is if you look in his word and trust what he says, right? And so we're we're always looking into who he is and what he's saying and trusting and resting, pursuing that diligently in our lives. Fourthly, Fourthly, faith is profitable. Notice what the Bible says, for he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible goes back to say in verse number three, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are made are not made of things which do appear. So so we understand God takes the invisible and works it. And when we pursue it, look what happens in verse two. The the Bible says, for by it, the elders obtained a what? A good report. God is a rewarder of those who seek him and put their their faith and confidence in him. Um, You you may not see it the same. I don't know what it feels like to free fall from 10,000 feet. I think that's what it is. Is the ceiling higher than that? Is it 10,000 feet or something like that when you jump out of a plane? I I, I don't know what it is to free fall. I've never experienced the ripcord being pulled and the body going, And being caught by that moment. I was too fat. I could lose weight and go do it and pay the money, but at the time, just too chubby. I can't tell you those stories. I I can't describe it. And some of you say, I don't care to describe it. It would be ultimate terror and fear. Okay, I get it. But for the adrenaline junkie like my bride, she's got stories. She wants to go do it again. And again and again. But the truth be known, there are a lot of things that have happened by faith that you've never felt and never seen the reward of. All you know is the Volkswagen life, and not picking on Volkswagens, but compared to the Maserati life of living by faith. Not to say if you live by faith, you're going to have a Maserati. But I'm telling you, when you live by faith, it's a different kind of life than living yourself and doing it your way and seeing God reward and bless and work in his way. And we're not talking about, I gotta be so careful because there's so many false teachings out today that could be tied into a statement like that. I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. I'm not saying if you give your life to God and you step up by faith, you're gonna have a Maserati and a big house and your bill's paid. But I am saying this, there's a difference between wondering and knowing that I'm in the center of God's will, I'm doing his purpose, his plan, fulfilling his promises, living within his promises and the safety that comes inside of that. Because I bet you a big deal, the, the bill for, for an old beetle is much different than the bill for a Maserati when it comes to being in the shop. They're just made differently. And so living by sight or living by faith, it's just made differently because the difference is me versus God doing what he does best in our lives, living by faith and not by sight. Give me just a couple of minutes to to share. We're coming up upon our eighth year here at New Life Baptist Church. It's super cool. We're less than a month away uh, from being eight years old. We're uh, just a couple of months away uh, from being in this building five of those years. And uh, that's kind of crazy, isn't it, uh, to, to, to think about that. But I believe God has called New Life Baptist Church and, and, and its people to have an intentional faith, an invisible faith, and an individual faith. And can I prove that that is the history of this church from its beginning? Let me just walk really quick, and I've, I've written these things down. In 2013... I was standing in a, a little wood, mud church in Sandy Creek, North Carolina, asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? I had pastored for five years. I knew God was stirring the nest. My heart longed to be in the West. And I'm standing there in the first church ever planted in the state of North Carolina. Still stands, not the original building, but the second one, Sandy Creek Baptist Church. And I'm standing in that little one-room with a little potbelly stove and a pulpit right near it and little chairs around. And and God convinced me that day through much fasting and prayer that he wanted me to go to Arizona and plant a church, a church that I'd never seen and didn't even know the name of. In 2014, we resigned our church in North Carolina, a salary of $80,000 that included a parsonage in that salary to come uh, and try to plant a church in the state of Arizona, having no idea where our income was going to come from. That first Sunday after we resigned and they let us go, they told us, "You can stay here." That was in January. You can stay here until March, but in March you got to move out of the parsonage because we and they weren't mean, but we got to hire a new pastor and we need to have that available in case he needs that. And so I'm like, "Okay, we get it." And so um, we began to make plans. We had nowhere to live no house to live in, nothing secured. I guess we can move in with my parents, but nah, right? I love them, but, you know, they would have kept us, and it would have been fine for a little while, but not, yeah, not with the family we had. There was, was seven of us, and you know, five, six, yeah, seven of us. Why am I? <laughs> uh, but that first Sunday, literally, we drove to our first church to present what we were going to be doing. We're going to Arizona to plant a church. We want you guys to help support us. We're asking you to pray about that. And so we shared the vision, the story. And after church, we went to lunch at a little restaurant called Cookout. And the pastor said, so where are you guys going to live? And Joe, Joe Shakura says, well, what kind of house are you going to live in? I'm like, Pastor, we, we don't have anything. We don't know yet we got a month to find something. He says, yes, you do. We have a parcel that's been sitting empty for about a year. It's a five-bedroom house here in our city. It's yours. No rent, no pay, no nothing. Your family can move into that house and base out of that while you're on deputation. I'm like, what? So now we have a house. In February of 2014, We committed to move out here. We bought our house in September of 2014. Literally, I know this is crazy, not having an income. We were living week by week from what people like you give when missionaries come through. And somehow we got a loan, and we found by the grace of God a Christian mortgage guy. He wasn't Mac in Queen Creek, because he was Mormon at the time, but uh, we, we found a Christian mortgage guy in St. Queen Creek that gave us a loan for a house, worked out all the details through our local church, and we were able to purchase a home. It was just unbelievable. In July of 2014, that was done. In December of 14, we began looking for a building. I remember driving through those storefronts behind Cracker Barrel, asking God where we're going to have church, and everybody I called said, nope, no church, we don't want a church, we don't want a church in there, nope, you can't afford it, blah, 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 and finally I pulled around the corner behind Home Depot and saw this beautiful rock front school there and went inside, and lo and behold, the principal was a believer, and as soon as I said, hey, we'd like to launch a brand new church here in Casa Grande, her words were, it went like this. I said, Patty, Miss, Miss, Miss um, I called her by her last name. And I said, Master, I said, um, we'd like to launch a church here. She said, come with me. And she turned around and started walking. If you know Miss Patty, she's just like that. Boom, boom, boom. She said, you can have your church in this room. You can have your Sunday school classes in these rooms. And she had the lingo. She knew auditorium and Sunday school classes. And you have access to everything here. And and we want it to be yours. And man, I remember getting on the phone and calling people. And I remember her sending me an email saying, I'll get back with you soon about how much the rent would be. And I'm thinking, well, we're probably not going to be able to afford the rent. And she sends me an email that says, your rent is $250 a week. How many church plants launch? I'm sorry, not a week, a month. How many church plants start like that? I'm telling you, it was unseen and God did it. In July, excuse me, in January of 2015, over 20 churches from multiple states came and handed almost 50,000 invitations across the city and Josh McIntyre got one of those on his door. Mellors were sent out, John and Romans Bibles were sent out and on February 15th of 2015, we stood in that little lunchroom. There were five families who said, We'll commit to this. And we stood together waiting for people to show up. And that morning, over 75 people showed up. The next Sunday, it averaged out around 50, 48, I believe it was. And uh, new life had begun. By April, we had over 20 families who joined the church as its first uh, starting members of New Life Baptist Church. And God's continued to grow and to grow, and to grow. I'm just trying to be careful to let you see how we as God's people, as, as a unit, people began serving and giving. In 2017, we made our first land purchase, and it was paid off in 2018, one year later. On Easter Sunday, because we outgrew that building with two services, we finally hit a, a cap, a ceiling of growth and ability, and so we out Grew that facility, we moved to this facility in Easter of 2017. Or actually it was it eighteen. I can't. I'm, I'm almost seventeen. Thank you, Al. Great. On Easter Sunday, moved up here to Logos, where rent was now two thousand in over five years. It's only changed five hundred bucks. So it went from two thousand to twenty five hundred this past year. 2019, we made our second land purchase. In 2022, we paid it off. In 2022, by faith, when it wasn't there, we took on Tyler full-time as a second employee, and God has continued to grow that. In 2022, we launched our first building campaign to try to raise funds to um, have a down payment on a new facility, and within a month, I didn't believe it as I sat here, but Pastor Armstrong did, and he said, you're going to have 100000 within a month. And oh, me of little faith, I thought, well, yeah, that'll be the day. And by less than a month, our church had raised 100000 not outside sources. Another 50000 was given from an outside source, but our people raised $100,000 there have been three different specific $50,000 gifts given to our church. There's been many large 20, 10 to 20, $30,000 gifts given to our church. But the difference maker was in 22 when we as individuals surrendered to give because this is our church that God has called us to. And I'm thankful for any outside gifts that people want to share, but uh, we can't rest on outside gifts. We, we rest on the giving of God's people. That's what's consistent. That's what that's what brings us through. Um, you gave when it wasn't there. You loved when it was difficult. You served when it's been hard. And we've, uh, we've seen the, the results of that. In this room right now and in the second service to come, many, many, many people sitting here today that know Jesus Christ because of your labor, because of your work, because of the intentions that you made. Many of our young people surrendered just to keep giving their life to God and to church and and many of our families brought together stronger, many relationships bonded, many marriages counseled. There's so much that God has done right here in this place and it's just been pretty amazing to watch and all of it started by faith and not by, by sight. Um, I know it doesn't feel this way this morning, but last Sunday was a regular day and this room was almost 70% full last Sunday. And then in the second service, most of the time it's 80% full in this room every Sunday. That's where most people come. And we believe that we've hit a cap. Uh, We, um, I, for the last several months have just been torn down To pieces inside, thinking, God, how do we keep growing? We can't we can't get in our building. And if we got in our building right now, let's say God provided a million dollars and we were able to start building. Our church and our position, our current giving status and numbers could not support a three million, two million dollar loan. The bank's not going to give us money. And we found that out this past week as well. You've got to have 20% down to get a loan, and you've got to have two years of sustainable cash flow income to prove that you can carry a note that size. I also found out recently that our building has gone up from $2 million to $2.6 million at $200 a square foot, and that's kind of discouraging. And then I was told, and I should have recognized this, and they said, Pastor, that's just the building. That's not permitting, infrastructure, engineering, parking lot, landscaping, and the, the entrance they're going to have to put in uh, from McCartney to get into a pull-off lane to get into the parking lot. But I'm like, I know God's been doing this. He's been providing. You say, Pastor, why would you give us all that, that great news of history to only land some negative news? Because what is not seen is where we're going to have to put our faith and rest and trust, but in the meantime, we've got to keep growing. And the opportunity that God has opened up that I would like to introduce to you as a church people in living a life of hope and faith is that Crossroads Church uh, has come available to us, and it gives us a facility that we can grow in and continue to grow in uh, for an amount of time until God leads us and gives us the ability to do something different. And. Um, this has been a, a crazy moment. Over the last couple of weeks, we have taken the time to fast and pray. Like I said, I've sought counsel from, uh, I can't even keep, I tried to count last night how many pastors I've called, and, and every single pastor says, it's a step of faith, it's a big number, but um, you, you gotta do it if you wanna grow. And, and, and that's just counsel. I, I called our architect, David Franklin, who's building our building. I said, would you come and look at all this with us? And he did. And he said, hey, this is a great building. You guys could grow here and grow here for a long time. And, um, and, and get to the place where he said, I'll be glad to pause on maybe putting some plans together to give you guys some time to catch up and grow um, into that. And so this is, this is where we are. And this pastor needed this This sermon, those three points were not my points. I want to give credit to where credit's due. I don't go on the internet and pull out outlines. And I asked Doug, I said, Doug, this has helped me. Can I share this with my people Um, uh, Sunday? And he said, it's God's, it's not mine. But God has helped me to see that maybe there's a step in between that we need to take so we can keep reaching people for Jesus Christ, and I believe that it is. I, I, I don't wanna see the growth of New Life Baptist stop. I mean, we've hit a 220, 230 mark for the last six, seven months, and we cannot seem to uh, pass through it and uh, people coming to church saying, man, it was so tight and so packed. And you know as well as I do in the post-COVID world, people don't like to sit on top of people. There's got to be some movement and some distance. And, and then to be able to be in our own property where we can have ministries, like um, we talked about a Spanish church. We have no building to put that in. We've talked about bus ministry. There's nowhere to put kids uh, now in these buildings. We are, we are full. And so this gives us room to explode and to grow and to do what God um, has called us to do, But yes, it will be a measure of faith as we walk into something that's a little bit more expensive than what we've ever looked at. And so tonight, here's what we'd like to do is ask you to come over for I've kind of deemed it an open house at crossroads. They've opened up their building, they're going to allow us to have a service over there tonight. And uh, so to be able to go to the church and to walk the property and to tour it and to see it and then to pray about it and, and then uh, to have a praise and worship service because we've got to do something, the time is now. Souls have to be reached. And as I looked at this intentional message, I thought, you know what, God? It is intentional for souls to be saved and lives to be changed and families to be helped and people to be counseled and ministries to be begun and continued and started. And so that gives us the freedom, the flexibility to do more uh, for the work of Jesus Christ in this place. And then we'll wait on the next step. For God to reveal the next step. What is that step in the future? We'll just rest that he's gonna show us just like he always has when time has come. It is a beautiful building. How many have ever been in Crossroads? Up until two weeks ago, I had never walked in that building. All I saw was that beautiful frontage right on Pinal where everybody sees it. And I've never been covetousness. I've never been covetous. I've never drove by and said, oh man, that's not fair. They got that. I wish I could have it. Uh, but I've always driven by that saying, man, what great uh, exposure that there's a church right here in this spot, in this place. This auditorium, there's a hundred, so this give you an idea. This auditorium, there's 140 something chairs in here right now. In their auditorium, there's 320 uh, at the present and more can be put in the room. That's just how they've set it up. And uh, and so there, I don't know if you know this, but Crossroads moved out of that building and sold it to the owners of Adrenaline Motorsports. So they're 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 moving out as of the end of February. They're done with that building and heading over to the LA Fitness a sportive a facility on Florence Boulevard. All right, but um, this building would be open and available, and the owners uh, desire their Christians for it to stay a church. And uh, and so uh, we were the first church called. Because, in this what was said, not by me, they said, Pastor Ray, we know we're not the same. We probably know there's a lot that we do that you don't agree with, but there's no church that we recognize in this community as being aggressive and reaching people for Jesus Christ like New Life. And we want an aggressive church in this building. And that was his exact words. Our, our, our people are Tyler, where everybody was there when they said that. And so, This is what we're praying about. This is the opportunity that God has given for continued growth. And if he deems for us to stay here, then then that is fine. We'll have to come up with another plan, three services, uh, working on something of that nature uh, as we grow, but I don't believe that that God would reveal these kind of things and then ask us to take a step of faith if he wasn't in it. And so I am just super excited about this opportunity. Would love for you guys to have a part in it to come out and enjoy uh, this evening with us. So tonight at six o'clock, don't come here go to Crossroads. There's two entrances. You can take the first entrance right at the airport and go left in on the frontage or you can go past it on the second entrance near Fry's and then take a right into the frontage uh, road area. But let's come tonight and let's see what God is gonna do. Let's check out the property, let's pray together. Again, I, I believe that this is gonna be a step of faith, but it'll have to be intentional. It will be invisible. And individual, you're going to have to decide individually if you're going to let God help you in this step of faith for this time, and and see what God does from that. All right. And so, please, let's go to God, seeking Him together right now concerning this. Father, we love you, and we thank you so. Much.
0: We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC Podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.